and welcome back to The Indie, the podcast from the newsroom of the Santa Barbara Independent. I'm your host, Alexandra Goldberg, and on today's episode, we're talking about giving back this holiday season where the world needs it most. A Santa Barbara-based nonprofit called Shelterbox has been responding to crisis and conflict overseas since 2000, where teams at the nonprofit bring essential living items such as tents, tarplins, cooking sets, and water filters to families displaced by disaster. Shelterbox gives ongoing humanitarian aid to Burkina Faso, Cameroon, Ethiopia, Mozambique, Nigeria, the Philippines, Ukraine, Yemen, and Syria. And this year, Shelterbox has launched major programs to assist families in Ukraine amid the Russian attacks, the severe flooding in Pakistan, and the extreme drought in Eastern Africa. Because of the major initiatives to provide families with shelter and basic necessities this year alone, shelter boxes global warehouses are depleted. But this holiday season, they're launching a year-end campaign where you can donate materials that will go directly to aid families in disaster zones. I'm joined here today by Shelterbox President Carrie Murray and Communications Director Jeremy Jacobs. Welcome and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us, Jam. Thank you for being here. So Shelterbox has had some major impacts around the globe this year, responding to the Russian invasion in Ukraine, flooding in Pakistan, and the historic drought in Eastern Africa. Can you first tell listeners about the type of humanitarian aid Shelterbox provides to families in disaster and conflict areas? Sure. Well, Shelterbox is a global humanitarian relief organization, and we bring emergency shelter and essential supplies to communities that have been devastated, where families have lost their home in an instant as a result of a disaster situation. So it could be hurricanes, monsoons, earthquake situations, but also civil war situations. And so we work on one of the biggest issues that's plaguing our world today, which is this massive displacement of people. And there's more people that have been displaced from their home than at any time in recorded history. It's now over 114 million people don't have a place to call home. And so we bring the essential things for your basic need around shelter. And so we bring the provision of emergency shelter. Like you said, it could be tents, uh, a variety of different tent solutions. It could be tarpaulins to repair homes that have been bombed, like you're seeing in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So you can temporarily shelter in place. But it's also the critical supplies to set up a household. So often in situations like you're seeing in Ukraine, there's no power. So we bring solar lanterns. You've had contamination of the water source. So we bring water purification containers to store clean water. It's freezing cold in so many parts of the world right now, especially in Ukraine. We're gearing up for a very cold winter. High thermal blankets, ground mats to sleep on, even mattresses even sometimes children's clothing, things like coats and boots to help them survive the elements. So the basic things for survival. Yeah, I think one of the things that's so cool about Shelter Blocks is that it customizes its aid, as Carrie was saying. And so, you know, we really work closely with the people we'll eventually serve uh, to understand what the, the, the greatest needs are. Um, in Ukraine, you know, that can be bombed out homes, trying to seal off windows. So literally trying to find locally procure ways to seal off the windows and doors to keep the cold out. And uh, I think one of, that's one of the coolest things about Shelterbox. 
Right. And I will touch on the freezing temperatures in Ukraine in just a moment. To, to help families in these disaster zones quickly and efficiently means Shelterbox needs these life-saving materials ready to go in warehouses, which now as we near the end of 2022, I have since learned these resources have been exhausted. Can you talk about the holiday campaign first to restock warehouses and how listeners can contribute? So Shelterbox is a model of pre-positioning. We pre-position aid materials all over the world, pallets of things like tents and tarps, lights, blankets. But this year, we've had one of our largest years in terms of our response efforts in our history, and we've depleted our inventories. And so right now, we have a massive effort underway. A lot of times we call it stock the box. Well, mm -hmm. it's, it's help us be prepared with the aid materials. Help us be prepared with solar lanterns. It could be water purification. Could be basic things like hygiene supplies, soap, hand washing basins. And of course the shelters, the tarpaulins, the tents. And so we need to resupply our warehouses. And it's critical that we continue to be effective and efficient and be able to respond when disasters and conflict strike. We had no no idea at the beginning of this year that we would be mounting such a massive response in Ukraine. And so that's also put further pressure and depleted a lot of our inventories all across the world. Yeah, we, we call it our global gifts campaign. And, you know, listeners want to go to shelterblocksusa.org backslash winter. Um, you know, this holiday season, you can pick out the item uh, that we would send somewhere. So, you know, $30 is a solar lantern that the person that buys a nose will go to someone in need. And all the way up to $1,000 for the full shelter box, $100 for a shelter kit that provides tools and tarpaulins. So, you know, in the spirit of giving, people can select what they want to give a family in need around the world. Wow. So donors can actually see the item that will go to families abroad. Right. Exactly. That's amazing. And they can actually, where they can select where their donation would go. And that's on the website under our global gifts on the donation page. So it's anything from a light to even stainless steel cook sets to mosquito nets, the basic things that provide a framework for a family to call home. Wow. Wonderful. And I wanted to hone in specifically on the war in Ukraine and how displaced families will be battling below freezing temperatures this winter. You have already mentioned some of the aid items that go into shelter box packages. Um, so can you talk about why it's such a big priority to keep families warm? You know, the infrastructure is, is crumbling right now. Uh -huh. Well, we're bracing for what we anticipate will be a, a really awful winter for Ukrainians. Temperatures are dropping, so lot, supplies are absolutely dwindling. And so these families need basic things. So Jeremy mentioned we're doing things like sealing off kits, mm -hmm. plastic sheeting to help cover up those exposed windows and doors, tarps to put on roofs to help just protect these families from the elements. But it's still freezing cold. And so we're even doing things like providing hundreds of wood stoves, also firewood blankets. And so we know that families need the basic things to protect them from the elements. So in addition to the normal shelter items, it's these basic things, even clothing and coats and the stoves I mentioned. But this is a critical time for people in Ukraine. Millions of people are without power. Millions are without heat. And the situation is, is only getting more dire in many parts of the country that's under siege right now. Right. 
I mean, you're seeing it in the news almost every day. I mean, it's, it's the clear strategy to target infrastructure, um, and you know, it, uh, you see the see the news reports, the missile launches, and then we had a team there recently, and they're seeing on the ground how the, that military tactic affects families. Um, so, you know, that's really where we try to come in and, and assess and customize what we're able to provide. Right. And you just mentioned that you send people in teams on the ground, on site in Ukraine to kind of survey what's going on. Um, how does what they see influence your response? And, and can you kind of relay some information that they come back with that influences the shelter box response? So our team's been on the ground. Actually, Thanksgiving week, they were just distributing the winterized programs. And they saw the situation was so dire that they said, we need to create an additional program this winter. And so they said, we have to do this. It's it's not, you know, if we can, it's how do we do it? We gotta get this done. And so they came back and said, we absolutely have to do more. And so it's a lot of on the ground assessments. It's meeting and talking with the beneficiaries. We have distribution partners that are actively continuously working in these regions to really understand who's been affected, what are the needs, and how can we most efficiently and effectively respond right now? And so this is um, right now, again, we're gearing up for an additional response that we had forecasted earlier in the year, but we know it's gonna be life-saving to these families that we're serving. So it's really critically important that we have people on the ground that can really assess the situation as it evolves and changes. So what we saw at the beginning of the conflict was millions of refugees. It was over 7 million refugees. And then you had another 7 million internally displaced people. But what we've seen happen over time is that people want to return home. They're crossing back over to Ukraine. They're going back to damaged homes. They want to be with family. They've run out of resources, right? And so we have millions of people who are also back in the country trying to really just recreate their home and repair their homes temporarily and make it through the winter with their families. And I think Carrie can probably speak this morning because she's spoken to the team that was just there more than I have, but but you know it's very dangerous conditions. You know, roads are icy, uh, transportation isn't predictable. Um, you were saying a story about one one trip that was supposed yeah, to take. So yeah, our response team was on the ground doing distributions, and then when it was time to go back to, they were initially in Poland and Warsaw. They they were driving from Kiev to Warsaw, which would normally be a nine hour drive which then turned into 22 hours on the road. And the entire journey was like an ice skating rink. And eventually at one point they spun off and went off the road. So it's truly dangerous conditions that these folks are facing in, in, in trying to reach the most vulnerable people who've been displaced or affected by this crisis. Wow, that's, I mean, I can only imagine what it's like being on the ground, but it's, you know, that big, green box is, is a symbol of the greater good. So that's wonderful. And I wanted to ask a question about how many families do you think that this new rapid response will, will help in Ukraine? Yeah, so um, we've already been able to help tens of thousands of people in Ukraine. This next response will likely help another one to 2,000 families the next phase of the project. We're already on project five and we started responding back in March. And we don't, do not anticipate 
leaving anytime soon. We know that this is going to be a long protracted war situation, and we've remained absolutely committed to really helping and, and evolving as the needs and change and evolve within the country. And so we're moving into the winterized programs, but then, you know, we're already looking at 2023. We're already looking at quarter one, quarter two, quarter three. How are those needs likely to change and shift? Right. And on a similar note, I wanted to reflect on the entire year of your impact overseas. Can you give me a brief impact report, not only with Ukraine, but with the other countries you serve? And also thank you for all of your amazing work. So this year has been a record year for our organization. Uh, we will, by the end of this year, have brought emergency shelter and or critical assistance, household assistance to families. Uh, and that will be over 350,000 people wow. that have been helped by the organization. And so we map, track, and measure everything that we do. So we know that by the end of the year, we'll have brought shelter to over 250,000 people and we'll have brought household assistance to over 100,000. Now, when you look at where we've worked, it's really been a mix of both disaster situations. So we started the year responding to a massive super typhoon, super typhoon Rye in the Philippines. It hit last December. It displaced hundreds of thousands of people. And we have a operational hub in Cebu, Philippines. And so we were able to deploy our team and deploy aid pretty immediately following the displacement across that island nation. And we had one of our largest disaster responses in our history, serving over 100,000 people with shelter across the Philippines. Then we turned our attention, as you know, to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And that was a deployment and then a projects that began in March of 2022. And then what we face this fall has been one of the worst monsoon seasons ever in Pakistan. And so we've also had teams on the ground doing assessments and beginning to distribute emergency shelter aid to families in Pakistan that have been absolutely devastated. There's over 33 million people that were in need of humanitarian assistance. And so we're gonna be there for the long haul. A lot of these projects, while these news cycles talk about these big disasters, and sometimes it's just a couple days that a big disaster will make the news cycle, but these families could be displaced for a period of months to years. So often these are long, these are long responses for our organization. And so we've had a massive year. Um, we've done some really good work. We've also started new projects for our organization in some of the most vulnerable parts of our world, um, places like Yemen, where the needs, humanitarian needs are massive. So places like Yemen, we're still responding. In Syria, it's been over 11 years that we've been actively responding in that country. Um, and while the disasters that make the headlines of the natural disasters, it's really what's driving global displacement is actually these long protracted crisis and conflict situations. And for us at Shelterbox, you know, I, I really believe that some of the most life-saving work that we do is, is the quiet work responding in some of the world's most extreme conflict zones. And it's really the reason why in 2018 and in 2019, Shelterbox was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. And it's for our work in some of the world's worst conflict zones. I think that, uh, that 
just to add one quick thing, you know, I, I think that if you, if you pay attention to these issues uh, or pay attention to climate change and some of the impacts that we're seeing, you know, 2022 was a pretty rough year um, uh, in the news cycle. And, you know, I think one thing that I think is great about Child Box and that I think is great about this year-end campaign we have um, is it's kind of a way to make a positive, well, a positive way to give back, right? Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, we stretched ourselves pretty thin, I think, as a global organization, and we wore down our, our warehouses, and um, there's no sign that, I mean, there's, 2023 could be just as intense as this year was, and so that's what we're trying to prepare for. Right, and I wanted to touch on the being nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize two years in a row. That's a big deal. I wanted to ask about how that translates into company core values and missions. Yeah, so as a humanitarian relief organization, we are a group that really tries to focus on some of the most vulnerable people on our planet. And so when you look at where we're working on the Human Development Index, places like the Lake Chat Basin of Africa, a lot of these folks are in the most vulnerable. And in terms of just global shelter relief, there's massive gaps in funding in a lot of these places and a lot of these areas, particularly around shelter. And so for our organization, we've been pretty razor focused on doing one thing really well, and that's providing emergency shelter and essential supplies in many of these vulnerable areas and not turning our backs on these folks. Um, so I mentioned Syria, it's been 11 years and for us, and it has been the largest piece of our work. Doesn't make headlines. Very difficult to get funded, uh, but we've remained committed to helping these families. And you know, the, the, their situation is not over. It continues, and so we also kind of are a group that often goes the last mile and helps the most vulnerable. And many times it's in areas where there aren't other shelter actors and groups that are going in to help these families. So I think just that the humanitarian principles of really um, going out there and, and believing that, you know, shelter is a human right, right? And so we want to go out and, and make the biggest impact. Um, and so that, that really dictates some of the places that we work. We can't be everywhere. And that's the thing about our organizations is that, you know, the hardest thing that we have to say sometimes is no, that we don't have enough aid. And that's what makes this campaign this time of year so critical for us is that our ability to be able to reach so many people this year was only because of private charitable support. It's people who learned about us, a lot of private individuals from around the world, some giving $25, some giving $25,000, and every dollar matters. And it enabled us to really go the distance this year and, and reach the most vulnerable. Wonderful. And with that same sentiment, I'm sure that will be carried even stronger into 2023. So my last question is, what are your plans going into the new year? You know, uh, we, we plan... Uh, in the areas where we're working in protracted conflict zones, right? I mean, th those are the ones we can plan and fund and uh, yeah, and, and you know, the teams work to fund and make sure we have a plan. But, you know, as a disaster response organization, that's why the pre-positioning and the warehouses are so important. Um, so we can turn on a dime and get that machine moving uh, when something happens. Um, so, you know, I, you know, Carrie can speak better than I can, but, uh, you know, Ukraine is going to continue to be a major part of what we do in 2023. Um, and I would anticipate we're still gonna have 
the tough hurricane season, tough typhoon season. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it will be a very busy year. And the thing we talk about a lot at our organization, and we've been building out a five-year strategic plan, and it's all about how do we have greater scale and impact? How do we reach more people? Uh, we know that climate and climate change is really only driving and exacerbating the need for our work at Shelterbox. Unfortunately, I wish that our work could go away, but it doesn't. It grows every year. And we want to have greater impact. We want to reach more people. Um, you know, we're at 350,000, maybe close to 400,000 people this year. I'm like, let's get to a million, right? A million billion. And, and so we can do more. We're called upon to do more. Um, we coordinate with lots of other NGOs across the world, include, and we also work with the United Nations. We're constantly being asked to grow and scale our work across the world. And so we'd like to do more. And so that what's, that's what makes this time of year, particularly when people are feeling really charitable, they want to get involved, they want to make a difference. And that's what's special about Shelterbox is that we can directly tie people's charitable support to the impact that we're having around the world. And you might be making a donation that's going to be to going to someone that you'll never meet in your lifetime, but you're absolutely going to transform their life and maybe save their life. And so that's that's what you can do by supporting the work of Shelterbox. The the one the one other um, uh, the one other response that was worth mentioning in terms of 2023 is Eastern Africa, I think, and the drought there. Um, you know, they, they missed four rainy seasons and forecasted a miss of the fifth one. Um, and we have a new program in Somalia now uh, that will run for a, a, quite a while. And, you know, I think that that is an area that there will be more, you'll see more and more stories of just the displacement, the hunger levels, um, the lack of water. Uh, that area is really transforming into a, a huge crisis. Um, so I would imagine that would be a big part of 2023 too. Right. Well, thank you both for that. Before we wrap up the conversation, is there anything else you would like to add? Well, I'm a big believer that everyone has stuff they could contribute and there's so many ways to make a difference. And so if someone's so inclined to get involved and donate to the Global Gifts, they can go on the shelterboxusa.org website. Also the Shelterbox USA. Facebook page or Instagram as well. Uh, but there's many ways to get involved from your using your time and talents to your personal resources. So there's a lot of information on our website where people can participate with Shelterbox USA. Wonderful, yeah, in the season of giving, everyone definitely has something to give. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. It was a pleasure to learn more about Shelterbox and this holiday initiative and all the amazing work you've been doing this year and since 2000. So thank you for coming on. Once again, I'm your host, Alexandra Goldberg. Thank you for listening to The Indie.